Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Great Northeast BJJ podcast in the, the live edition uh, BJJ All-Stars, the third, I think it's the third um, train wreck edition. Um, this will be, this will be live on Facebook. You can find it later on YouTube and even on like iTunes where you get the regular podcast. So if you're listening to this um, on Facebook or iTunes, check out the YouTube page because we all look really good and we want you to look at us when we're talking. Um, Welcome to my friends here. So the idea of this is just to, and it's kind of weird times, right? So we're bringing a bunch of our friends together um, to try to make it positive and, and uh, talk some cool jujitsu stuff. And if, you know, introduce people that maybe don't know each other and bring people together like that I haven't seen in a while. Um, so I was thinking about some positive stuff recently. And, you know, one positive thing is I don't have as much laundry to do, which is really nice. Um, <laughs> I filled up my gas tank in my truck like once in the last two weeks, and usually that's like every three days. Um, so that being did said, your, did you get your broken windshield fixed? <laughs> yeah, but it's already cracked again, man. No, I'm still rocking that thing, Pete. I got my headlights are all every. I'm street legal, man. I'm street legal, Pete. Um, it so, rained on my car, and I had to read. Throwing something positive that I just did. I just got a really clean shave. Using this Tortuga soak. (laughs) You live good. What about the guitar picks? You like them guitar picks, huh? I love them. I love them. I already used them. Your sweatshirt scares me, Pete, a little bit, but (laughs) I'm not going to lie. So for anybody that doesn't know my man, Philly Pete, Philly Pete is a a legend, is a legend. He was was an undercover cop in in the Philly and like weird, crazy federal stuff. Um, was on jujitsu versus the world, um, using jujitsu to not hurt people, and he and he's the guitar player now. The man, BJJ United Savage Tag Team yeah. Savage Black Belt. Yeah. Um. Actually, this entire podcast is full of savages. This is like a who's who of right savages in the Northeast. So, also welcome to Jared and Marcella Lawton from. Team Lawton Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Where are you guys in Maine? Uh, <clears throat> Farmingdale. Farmingdale. Yeah. Like Middle near nowhere. Augusta, right? Yeah. Yeah, pretty close to Augusta, yeah. Um, yeah, man. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. It's good to see you guys. Uh, good to meet the rest of you that we haven't met. And um, Yeah, man. Just uh, trying to hang in there like the rest of us. You know, it's it's crazy, crazy thing going on. Um Super frustrating. I think it's, uh, I mean, what do you do when you can't, can't make contact with people <laughs> when your whole, your whole life is built around making contact with people? It's a frustrating <laughs> thing. So you eat know, man, <laughs> interesting whole life, man, whole life. But, um, yeah, in I, to me, the most frustrating thing is, like, not knowing what's up. Like, you don't know what to do, you know what I mean? You're like, what should we do? What should we do? Um, but so it, next to you guys on my version of Hollywood Squares, I can't – what's the pig's name? 
<laughs> I forget the pig's name. I know the weird guy with the 70s mustache. Come on. Debbie Powell. Phoebe. Phoebe the pig. How do you not know Phoebe? Dude, I've walked Phoebe around, but I've never seen her in a while. Yeah, but have you slept with Phoebe? <laughs> Jay, Jay, what, what, Jay, what do you mean by slept with? Well, uh, after Devin's, uh, I gotta think whether it was last his last fight or whether it was at the uh, the um, the grappling super fight you had. I think it was your last fight. No, no, it was the it was a grappling super fight. I go to sleep and his dog and his pig are on the floor. I wake up. The dog and the pig are sandwiching me in bed. And I've got like the hot sweat thing going on. And I'm like, I don't know how I got sandwiched by a dog and a pig. Mm. I don't know if I get arrested for this or not. But <laughs> I've had I've had a very long history with Devin's pets. Uh, when he was fighting on the local scene, I woke up one day and his dog was on top of me, like outside of the covers, peeing on me. <laughs> that was fight night. I think it was good luck, though. We won that night. Oh, <laughs> So the so last but not least the the, the, the whole that holds a spot in my heart the consigliere Joey <laughs> Carter hello from, hello from Connecticut legendary yes. Joey Carter from Connecticut how you doing Joey Carter I'm surviving down here I mean really not much has changed I'm still working every day in the in the facility so uh, you know I mean besides all the other stuff Jennifer's working from home but I mean. Um, I mean, really, at this point, where I'm at with work and stuff, me and my buddies were pretty much just waiting to get sick. Yeah, dude. That's pretty much where we're at right now. I, um, I worry about you, man, for real. So, yeah, if you guys uh, know Joey. Things are real down here. <laughs> he's a, he works in a prison. In, where, where in Connecticut? It's like a fed- well, I, I was at uh, Hartford Correctional Center, but now I'm over at uh, Manson Youth Institute. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just try and, you know, you try and, you know, mitigate everything you can, but, you know, you're working with a higher risk population. And, um, unfortunately right now it's inside all the facilities. Uh, and, you know, I mean, a lot of us were just, uh, you know, going to work and doing what we got to do and everything, washing your hands and wearing your mask when you're at work. But unfortunately the case is most likely probably going to just waiting to get sick at this point and just crossing your fingers. That it's not horrible. Um, not to put a damper on anything, but that's just where we're at down here in the tri-state area because things are a little bit different down here right now. Um, hey, at least you get to choke some people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, they've been pretty. Uh, they've been pretty, you know, because they're. I, I think they're uh, the population. Um, they take this seriously. Uh, they they know what's up. Um, I guess apparently. Uh, some uh, there was some activity at some facilities up north where they had to activate some um, specialty units to quell the uh, population because I guess they were uh, upset <laughs> about what well, I don't know, but you know it is what it is at this point. So I mean, I just hope every I'm just glad to talk to everybody, see everybody's doing well and everybody's safe at this point, and you know we just ride it out, man. Because like you said, you know you guys especially own gyms. You know, I just teach, I just teach with Brad Wolfson, you know what I mean? But you guys that own gyms that make your, make your money by this, like, you know, I, I feel for you for sure. And, uh, I can't wait to get back on the mat cause I'm starting to lick the walls. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dude, hey, Joe, are the, are the thing is though, my hands don't hurt. My hands feel good. 
No, yeah, the body's definitely in a good spot right now, considering it hasn't been tugged on in three weeks. <laughs> Joe, are they releasing people from facilities up where you're at? Uh, I believe the number right now is 100. They've That was a number. I'm not sure what the criteria was, because um, I actually was trying to explain that to an inmate the other day. I was like, I don't know what the criteria is uh, regarding um, what would make you eligible for early release, and I'm not really sure – you know, is that just going to go on to parole? Are they going to go, they're going to get a bracelet? Is it going to be a court supervised release? Like what is the, you know I mean? The information is pretty scant at this point. But, you know, we're all, <laughs> we're getting through just like everybody. Yeah. So. Uh, don't you think that's, uh, you know, you're not exercising social distancing with your, is that a unicorn dressed in a gi? I don't know. Oh, this is a, uh, a it's a dragon. My training down here right now. So, uh, <laughs> so you're cuddling now, but you'll you'll choke him later. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a little bit of both later. <laughs> <laughs> so we all train a ton, food, but so. nobody trains more than Devin. I feel like, like I don't know what what the hell have you been doing, dude? I guarantee. Before he starts talking, <laughs> I guarantee he's not taking a single day off. Uh, I went on a. 13 or 15 mile bike ride today, which I haven't ridden a bike since I was a little kid. I don't think. No, actually, that's last a lie. time I went on a bike ride, so. <laughs> <laughs> we went on a, a drunken 4 a.m. bike ride to ride to the academy the night that one of my fights got canceled. When we went to the arena to fight, and then the kid didn't show up, so we went and got hammered. Went home, created some weird hockey game, and then we're like, we should go train in the morning. Like, well, it is morning, so why don't we just get on bikes and bike to the to the academy right now, so we did that. It's like 40 miles. So probably that was the last time that I've done some biking. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I probably shouldn't be doing much because my knee is still recovering from surgery, but um, oh. yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to train uh, five days a week um, doing something and then take a, you know, a rest day and do stuff at the house. But yeah, it's pretty crazy, man. I went from training six days a week um, and then on the seventh day, I just coached, um, going to Joe's on Mondays, um, skill strength Thursdays in Massachusetts, and then um, double sessions at my academy every other day or at my facility for the other piece of that day. So, yeah, I mean, I, I went from spending not going from like 8.30, 9 a.m. Till, uh, till like 10.30 p.m. every day training, or at least being in the facility to being stuck inside all day. So it's pretty crazy. It is what it is. So uh, when do you think you'll be uh, – I mean, who knows? I mean, it's a perfect time to be rehabbing, dude, to be honest with you, because if you were fully healthy and ready to go, you couldn't take a fight. Um, we talked to a few different people. Uh, we did a, uh, some stuff with John Anik and Joe Lozon and, you know, the, the frustration of not – you know, for Joe, it's – you know, he didn't have a fight in his uh, – in his sights, but you know, a lot of folks that he coaches and he works with were like yourself, but what a perfect time to be rehabbing when nobody can fight anyway. Like, you know, that's just really good luck for you. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, you know how that, that UFC London card fell through. Well, they were trying to, to change it from, I mean, it's kind of just, I guess is a testament of how stupid I am, but they tried to change it short notice to go from London to the U S and Sean Shelby, the matchmaker for the UFC, contacted everyone. It's like, 
hey, if you're uh, if you fought for the OC or if you're uh, um, or if you're are, uh, still under contract or um, if you're healthy and you know you're you're a good fighter, or whatever, let us know. We're trying to sell the card. And I told my manager, I was like, hey, um, I'll, I'll fight this weekend if so if you can find me a 55 or that, I'll fight me at 70. And he's like, no fucking way. I was like, just just send the email and like no. But I was like, you know, at this point in my career, like I'm probably honestly, aside from my knee not being that healthy, and I'd probably injure it worse, but I'd fight through the fight. I'm probably still in better shape than most guys that are coming off the couch, you know, because I'm still training all the time. And just it's it's very modified because I can't bend my foot all the way to my butt yet. But yeah. Hey, Devin, from Devin, from what you're hearing, are most people? pretty much trying to stay in shape and ready to go. Like as soon as this stuff is through, everybody's, you know, trying to stay ready to fight or is there like a, like a, a common thing that's going on in like the MMA world of like, you know, people continuing to train and, and continuing to stay ready just in case, you know, this stuff ends soon. So I think everyone was getting excited for a bit because that email went out. But then the, the whole card got canceled, and then Bellator canceled three cards in a row. Um, the UFC canceled a bunch. The only one that it looks like they're trying to just find a way to make happen any way possible, even without Khabib, is um, the night that Calvin's fighting, April 18th. You know, the, that big card, they're trying to find some way. They still haven't announced a uh, location. So I'm seeing a lot of fighters that are just, like, going full quarantine mode, just getting fat because they have no clue when it can happen. Um, nobody can properly prepare for a fight because you don't have your training partners. Um, that being said, you could actually see some guys go in, fight maybe higher weight classes, um, and actually have healthy bodies where you're going to go in there and, and still have those, those abilities. It's going to be, it's always a thing. Like when you go back to training for the first time in a while, like I know when I come back from knee surgery and I'm really rolling, like it's going to come back there, I'll have some frustration, but you could go in there and fight after being quarantined if you're doing some cardio and stuff. But I think a lot of people are just going full fat mode. For me, it's just, I can't, I can't do that. I just, I need to, I need to force myself, even though like there are days I don't want it, but I gotta like, I gotta move. I think I feel worse if I don't move and sweat because I'm, I'm used to sweating all day long. I like feel like I'm, I'm bloated and just disgusting. So, um, yeah, I, I think that it's so up in the air. We have no clue. Um, we're told that our gym can open up May 4th, maybe, but now I'm hearing stuff that things are going to get even worse before they get better. And, and uh, you know, I just, I don't understand how any of it's really working, but I don't think um, anyone knows when fights are going to happen again. Same thing with others. I mean, it's a virus. It's not like we can just say it's going to be dead at such and such point. I, I was told that the heat kills it though, which would be pretty dope. So it would just get really hot out. But, um, I don't know. That's not true. There's. <laughs> but I literally heard it today when I was. I think it's happening in Brazil, so I, I can't really say that that that's that's it's true. It's, it's pretty hot in Brazil. <laughs> Did you see know, the man. pictures of the beaches in Brazil? Yeah, they're empty. It's crazy. Yeah, you can go to the beach. The cops will get you out. My aunt actually went for a walk. The beach was empty. The cops stopped her, and she had to get out. I saw videos today of they're they're driving trucks down the street, like spraying the streets and no, they're cleaning. Well, they're washing, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, they're washing everything. I don't know if that's Man. something they're doing here in the US anywhere, but I don't think so. That's what's going on up in Maine? Maine? Like what's is that? there what's going on up in Maine where you guys are at? Uh, 
<laughs> man, we're a different breed up here, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, I mean, it's things have slowed down, but people are, you know, for the most part, are still kind of doing their thing. I mean, uh, I mean, everything's shut down. The businesses are shut down. The bars are shut down. The the gyms are shut down. I don't know. Everybody's going crazy, but you know, there's still people out hiking on the rail trails. You know. Oh, they closed the, the parks. Driving, because... driving everywhere. Yeah, I mean, they're, sh- they, you know, they're starting to shut down the, the public parks and stuff because there's just, I mean, that's where everybody's going because it's the only place to go. So there's just massive amounts of people and they're like, oh, we can't do this. And, you know, they're shutting it down. So I don't know. It's, get, it's getting crazy, but. We I tried to do the same thing today. We, you know, before um, the whole state of emergency thing in New Hampshire, like we were able to hit the trails with the dogs a bunch and it was good to kind of get outside and get some fresh air, get some good cardio in, you know, put some miles under us. But uh, we tried to do that today because there's a rail trail, like less than a mile from my house. So we headed to the rail trail. It was packed with people. I'm like, this doesn't, yeah. we just gotta go home. Yeah. I saw a video of like these guys out on Vinyl Haven, on an island off Maine. Yeah. And they, they like, there was some like non-local dudes out there who had been working and they went like to the mainland to get food and came back and the locals were pissed and like ch- cut down a tree and wouldn't let them leave. And then like we're standing at the end of their driveway with guns. Yeah. Is that you? That's, yeah, it happened. It happened. Hey, it was, on, it was on Joe Rogan. I think Joe Rogan talked about it. So must have happened. But yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it's obviously a pretty isolated incident. I think that whole island had decided to quarantine themselves anyway. So I'm not, you know, it's, I don't know. That's just a crazy incident. That's not what the whole, all Maine's like, but I don't know, man. It's people are just getting crazy. Yeah. Crazy, man. Just being a real quick. that's joined us. Yeah. I was going to say real quick, speaking of full fat mode. Yeah. uh, Joined by Gary, fat Gordon Ryan. Uh, Fawcett, uh, Port City, great competitor, uh, also the host of the News of Our Demise podcast. What's up, buddy? Nothing, man. I, I think we should run with our, our uh, contest of who can gain the most weight during this and then who can lose, the, lose it the fastest afterwards. I'll tell you right now. Well, your face, your face is looking pretty chubby right now. I'm not going to lie to you. We, I was, so I was 203 when I got the email that Pans was off. See, this is how I know I've gained more than you because I'm not confident enough to even step on a scale. Drum roll, please. <laughs> that can't be right. You <laughs> <laughs> lost. That cannot be right. So, I mean, this is a really heavy computer, I gotta say. But so, the- what does it say, Jay? Two twenty-seven. <laughs> no. Oh, wow. Damn. I don't see that's just amazing I mean you're fully clothed you're holding a computer and I think you have a camel pack on right <laughs> yeah and uh, I got uh, steel toe work boots on uh, those gotta be at least five pounds <laughs> those so, glasses look heavy dude that's that's 25 pounds 24 pounds Jesus. Yeah, you might be ahead of me I hope <laughs> my top game is gonna be so good 23 in 24 hours <laughs> What was that, Devin? This is another day in the life for Devin Powell. I 23 in 24 hours before my last play. Sure. I mean, that's faster, yeah. yeah that was also okay, like... So let's uh, see you gain some more weight, Mansfield. I, this has got to stop. 
This is good. <laughs> what, is, yeah, what, have been eating? what have you been eating? Everything, dude. I had Three macaroni and cheese in the pan for lunch. Oh, you did it from the pan? Yeah. I, I, oh, I, I inspired you? The, uh, yeah, I made uh, Velveeta shells and cheese with extra Velveeta. Oh, yeah. Uh, pan fried <laughs> Spam. <laughs> and then I did a like a buttered Cheez-It crumbled topping. What secret aisle of shame do you get the extra Velveeta packet? <laughs> it, it, it is like a block. It's like, it's like an actual brick of Velveeta. It, it is embarrassing. But right next to just extra Crisco. Yep. Yep. That's a good thought, though. I'll think about that. Yeah, get it. Um, so, this is Cody, super difficult for me because I don't I, – uh, I'm used to – you know, your feet. I have to go train. Like, you know what I mean? I've got to teach a bunch of classes every week and I like to go to train. I like to go to lift in the gym and I love to do that stuff. <clears throat> the, the dynamic for me is really weird being trapped in the house. Like I find myself completely undisciplined. <laughs> when were Good we, when, Joey, when were we supposed to go to Mexico? We were all, we're, we're, uh, I was flying out the 16th and then you, you guys were getting there. What? The 17th? 17th, I think, yeah. And then we're going to do like a big seminar at Alvaro's place on the eight, seven, on the 17th and then go do the podcast at the Pyramid yeah. on the 18th, then fly down on the 19th, and then have the most amazing camp in the world from the 20th to the 26th. But unfortunately, they just shut down, they just shut down the whole state of Oaxaca today. Oh, really? Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, as you could tell, the whole state, yeah. Dude, if we had only gone there, if we could get there, we'd be stuck Imagine there. that, Jake. Awesome. Imagine that, dude. Get stuck down in Puerto Escondido for the duration of the the pandemic. That'd be the greatest thing ever. I would love to. Just, I would love to call Jay. I'd love to call work and just be like, "Oh yeah, Lieutenant. Um, hey, listen. I'm not going to be back to work for like I don't know the duration. That would be hilarious." Dude, and we would just since since we had all quarantined together, we could train. Mango mezcals, dude, until like they just mango mezcal all day long, all day, all day. So all day. for you other guys, we go to a camp in in Puerto Escondido, Mexico, um, every year, which is a really cool spot in the southwestern part of Mexico. It's like a little uh, surf town where the waves are like forty feet. They're a billion feet. <laughs> Dude, they're crazy. They are huge. The scariest waves I've ever seen. Yeah, for uh, sure. And these guys, we go visit, surf them. Like nothing. Like nothing. <laughs> Every day. Like, yeah. like uh, bacon, French toast. But we, there's the training is outdoors. Like these guys have an academy, but it's like it's the most beautiful place I've ever trained. Yeah, um, for sure. Adrian yeah. and Oscar Davo. It's nicer than a racquetball court. Just I mean, barely, barely, just barely. <laughs> when our scraping, scraping by <laughs> the sea breeze that comes through, you know, overlooking, you know, the the salt water smell. <laughs> yeah, the salt water smell overlooking the ocean right next to the uh, the endless pool or the you know the fresh coconuts. I mean, it's a little bit better. Like I, you know, the the breeze is what pushes it over yeah. the racquetball court. <laughs> so so all you other clowns should come with us the next time. Yeah. Definitely. That, man. Put it on the calendar. It's so good. It's That's such good. a beautiful little cool surf town. Um, the people are all awesome. Like the training is awesome. Um, it's a good Food place. is great. It's it's just 
have a big pig roast. It's it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. So this is a BJJ in Paradise you're talking about, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. You can you, you can Google it for uh, BJJ in Paradise. I'm certain that our friend Brad and of course uh, Marcio uh, Stembowski, uh, Mr. Marcio, all those people will be really excited if you all came. Oh down. yeah. And in this in this situation, so it didn't happen. Obviously, we would be there right now. Um, but the reality is, is that. Um, obviously we couldn't do it. Nobody can travel. So right now, tentatively, it's been moved to, I think the first week of August. Yeah, I believe either August or I think if it doesn't, I think August or if it doesn't get scrapped, it'll just be October. Right. Cause so he's got one planned anyway for October, but who knows what's, you know, I mean, who knows what's happening. Right. Cause me and Jen are supposed to go to Italy in September for her cousin's wedding. Oh man. But who, you know, let's, you know what I mean? Like, let's put that, put that back on the <laughs> Because I don't think that's going to be going down. Right? My buddy Mike Pellegrino was supposed to be getting married in June in um, Jackson Hole. And yeah. they had to scrap it. Yep. Oh, that sucks. We were supposed to leave for Brazil in like four days. Oh. Yeah. So we had to cancel that trip. But, yeah. Where do you train when you go down there? Uh, we train all over, man. We, I mean, we mostly stay... Uh, close to Marcellus City and near Itaparuna. I'm um, training with my old training partners. Um, but we've been all over, man. We, we went to Delahiva's gym. We've been to all kinds of different places, all yeah. all over the place. That training has to be killer. What's that? That training has to be killer. Oh, it is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, everywhere you go is, you know, you know, the gyms down there are so much different. You know, it's not like a you know, there's like places like almost like a hole in the wall or it's inside a, you know, some other type of gym, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's a different vibe, different feel. And the training's really different. The, 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 format, you know, the classes and everything's really different. Not um, a lot of position, more yeah, like I mean, training. You go, usually you just go show a couple positions and then, you know, just roll. Get and after you're always it. really welcome everywhere you go. Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. Nice. So so talk to me about that format. Like, so what do you kind of like you described like a different vibe and a different format than your standard classes? It's less formal. It's way less formal. I I would say so. For the most part, from what I've seen, you know, there's been a couple places that I feel are probably more similar to how, you know, you would see it in America, more structured and, you know, like a, a standard warm up and, drill technique for 30 minutes or so and then you know do some situational sparring and then rolling you know but for the most part it's been you get down there and show a couple positions and then you just then you just train you know you just roll <laughs> okay, I'm wondering why that's not like a normal class yeah what's that <laughs> so jay's wondering why that's not like a normal class. that's all he does <laughs> like, that's me. i always yeah. want to like, no, I mean, train more and the last one, I'm like, let's just train now, Jared. And Jared always wants to, like, teach a bunch yeah. of stuff. But I'm pretty, I don't know. I'm pretty Uber. very structured when I, when I run my class. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. I'm looking forward to when this thing is up there to get up with you and kind of see how you run things. Also, you know, obviously to train with you. Um, like we're, well, we're normally <laughs> yeah. about the same weight. <laughs> um, <laughs> and about the same size. So it's real good training. And, uh yeah. But, yeah, for sure, there are Thursdays. Marcella, you would love it. On Thursdays, a lot of times we come in 
And, you know, some, sometime in the last few hours before the class, I'll just put on Facebook, hey, uh, looking forward to training tonight, bring water. And if I say bring water, everybody knows that <laughs> you're coming in, I'm setting the timer, and for 90 minutes, we just do rounds. That's nice. awesome. Super fun. I like that. I've trained a couple times up there with these guys. It's awesome. Like, I've had a great time training with you guys. Um, yeah. I think I stopped on the way up to Devin's wedding one time and uh, <coughs> trained with these guys because Devin got married in, like, the Arctic <laughs> Circle. <laughs> that was, like, I, I looked at it. Right. And I was going to go with you. I was going to stop by with, with these guys. I'm like, I'm not making that drive. I literally flew to Presque Isle and drove three hours from Presque Isle to get there. <laughs> it's far. It's a long ways. Oh, yeah. I almost went down like a Kennedy, man. I was in a plane with six other people. <laughs> where, where, are you, where are you guys talking about? You're talking about Allagash, right? Allagash, Maine, man. I, I feel like it was at least an eight-hour drive. I think it's a, yeah. at least that. It's but super special place. Devin, you want to describe it? Well, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It's about eight hours from uh, from like the like the main New Hampshire border. Um, it's where my my grandparents live. My mom grew up there, and my dad met um, my mom up there uh, in Fort Kent. Um, so that Fort Kent is like a lot of people know you main Fort Kent, but Ellagash is another hour past that. So. You get to Fort Kent, you just keep going. There's a river, the uh, St. John River, that separates the U.S. from Canada. And actually what happened was um, when they came to do, like, the uh, um, like surveillance of the land to figure out, like, Canada and the U.S., a bunch of – I don't know if this is even true, but what I was told by my grandfather, who's never even drank a drip of alcohol his whole life um, – the Americans got the Canadians super drunk and they ended up getting the land that should have been Canadian land. So it's like right there. It's all like super close. Um, you just, if you go across that river, you're going to be in Canada. So it's pretty cool. My, my family or my, my parents have a house right there and we got married um, in their backyard right on the St. John river. So yeah, it's, it's pretty great up there. There's no cell phone service. Um, it's just you and in, in the, uh, the river. So it's pretty awesome. That's where we should all go right now in quarantine. Sounds like a better <laughs> yeah. place to be. Yeah. <clears throat> Sounds pretty good. Dude, the spot where you got married was so beautiful. Like, it was perfect. It, like, right on the river. And then, like, like it's like a compound up there. Devin's aunt lives here next door to De And they all got – and the grandparents. And it's like – it was awesome, man. It's a cool place. Yeah. It's, they got their own, their, their own like – little mini civilization there you know people come up they do the, the skidooing and stuff um they come to their restaurant so they only own the they own like the only restaurant really in Allagash. um and they own almost all the hunting camps in Allagash as well there's a few other ones but theirs is the big one uh the kelly camp uh, my aunt my uncle um my grandparents they all have their houses right there um all the camps are right there and then there's a few more deep in the woods as well as my grandparents new camp my grandfather, who's in his 80s now, um, he finished building that all by hand with, like, handmade tools, uh, every shingle hand plane. Um, that was only probably less than 10 years ago that he finished it. Um, but, yeah, so it, it's, it's a pretty cool spot up there. My parents' house is right up there, too. They only go up there a couple times a year. But, um, yeah, it's all just, just this one plot with everybody right there. It's all you need. 
Devin, what was the uh, what was the name of the restaurant? Two Rivers Lunch. Because that, there's that the Ellingham River, which tomato is soup. <laughs> tomato soup. She makes this tomato soup. It's like unbelievable. <laughs> Joey Carter, he speaks with a lot of Globetrotter camps. What's going? Like, are a lot of those getting canceled or what? As far as I know, yeah. The because uh, I was going to do the USA one. But I'm not doing. I, w- I wasn't gonna. I'm not doing that one. Obviously, in Arizona. No, uh, the one in Maine. I was gonna do that one, but then I, um, I was one of the guys that got picked not to. So I was not gonna do it. But then all this happened. So, I guess that's what happens. You Are don't you reschedule it. You think? Oh uh, yeah, he'll reschedule all of it. Yeah, I'm. I know the. La- I, I know there was. With Germany, no, what was? Well, there's a St. Bart's camp, right? There was a um, Arizona camp in March. Um, USA camp is in uh, end of May, and then I think there was a bunch of European camps, and those are all uh, those probably. I'd have to assume all got canceled or going to get canceled because. Yeah, the, the BJJ Globetrotters is this this guy Christian Graugart. He, um, I believe it was 2011. He flew around the world and for four months and just trained jujitsu and then wrote a book about it. And my buddy put me onto the book. And then that I read the book and then uh, he found that Christian was doing a camp. So I went out to uh, Copenhagen, Denmark. Well, I stayed in Sweden for a week and then went to Copenhagen and ended up. Um, teaching at the first camp because one of the other instructors got sick. So Christian asked me to teach because I was a brown belt at that time. That was 2013. And then, uh, I taught a gi and no gi class and everybody, you know, was pretty pumped with the technique, which I was pumped about. And then, um, he asked me if I wanted to continue teaching at the camps. And then that was pretty much, that was 2013 been teaching at them ever since. And that's pretty much how I met George and Jay and Devin and, uh, the Riddler and how we hooked up with all the guy, how, well, how Brad hooked up with Adrian down at, uh, down in Porto was through Globetrotters. Um, so it's been a very, very positive experience. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I know that everything will, will go back to normal, you know, as soon as everything goes back to normal, you know, we can get back to training and traveling and, you know, getting sweaty again and enjoying ourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah I had to change your name in my phone because it was uh, Andrea can read now, obviously. And yes. so she's like, Dad, it was my name? your phone. I was like, what? Like, what? And it's, so I had to change your name to Joey Effin Carta. Oh, you spelled it out. <laughs> <laughs> I spelled it out. <laughs> Good job, Dad. <laughs> job. She's heard that from Uncle Jay before anyway. Yeah, I, I'm sure I probably dropped the f bomb, you know. Joey, Joey, have you, ever, have you ever taught up at the Iceland camp? Have you ever been to that one? Not yet, but I, I, I'm, I plan on doing that one when, when we get back to normal life. Yeah, definitely. That's a, um, that I want to do that one definitely for sure. That one looks like a blast. I mean, they all look like a blast, but that one. They all look amazing. That looks like a, a real good time. Yeah, Brad taught at that one. Greg Wood, the Dark Knight Bird, was up there. Um, nice. Because uh, it was supposed to be me, Greg, and G- John Newman going to Mexico City, and then uh, down to uh, Puerto. 
He was going to be our human sacrifice, right? Yes. John Newman, yes, he was. We were going to uh, we were going to sacrifice him and uh, you know cut his heart out on top of the pyramid. Yeah, I God. can't. I can't think he's got to be a good a good influence on that trip. Oh, you know. <laughs> bad news. Bad news. He he's been he's been training hard, but he was going to get he was going to experience the big leagues. It's going to get moved. Yeah, because I told him I was like Newman. I'm like, man, you ain't going to be able to drink all day, man. It's just too it's too hot. You know, you're going to have to suck down a coconut and relax. And, mm. you know, he was – but I don't know if he's going to be able to get his money back on his flight because I don't think he got the insurance. Ah, oh, that oh. sucks. So we had to bunch – They'll give him a credit. I mean, <laughs> there, yeah. There are a bunch of people watching, or there were a bunch of people watching coming in and out. Uh, Nate Ryan and uh, Amanda, of course, who probably is looking over your shoulder from the yes. other room. They're in the but, uh, room watching Frozen tonight. Eddie, uh, Eddie Van Whitebell's watching and uh, a bunch of people there. There's no questions yet, but I'll pass. So I did have a question from someone I put up on Instagram, and this is perfect because Marcella's here. She can give us some uh, – the rest of you clowns don't, don't – I can get my but, cat inside here. Um, Hannah asked us, um, what percentage of women – what's the percentage of women that train jiu-jitsu? I was like, man, I don't know. What, what do you think the percentage of women that train is? Uh, I don't know. Maybe like right now, like thirty percent. Thirty percent of the people that train are women. You think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, what do you think? I would say, you know, in our academy, we do have a pretty good amount of women. I mean, I can't. It's pretty I hard know. to say over all academies, but we've definitely been pretty fortunate, I think, in that sense, and uh, been able to kind of establish a pretty good amount of women. I don't school. think we have that much. I think there's I other places that have a lot. Is there a lot of women training in Brazil? There is. But in Brazil, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of women training. They start younger. But then, like, when they start, like, dating, maybe the boyfriends don't like it that much. Or when they get married, you know, like, there's just a few that are left. You know, because of that. I know, like, my dad hates jiu-jitsu. <laughs> Everybody in my family hates it. I went to this tournament, and I got, like, uh, the girl put me to sleep because I went to fight the absolute, right? The girl put me to sleep, and all my family was crying. <laughs> Why are you doing this? Why? <laughs> so they, they don't like it, but... <laughs> It's tough to explain, you know, that, that, that concept especially. Um, you know, like, you know, and I think any high-level competitor, you know, the arm bar is a certain thing, you know, or like, a, you know, a big Kimura. Like, I, I need to be able to train and I need to be able to teach. So if I'm caught, I'm caught. And usually you know, you know, I'll take some extension, but you know when you're caught with a choke, you're like, man, there's no risk here. And I always think I'm getting out. Like, I always think I'm getting out. Until my mind starts to wander and, you know, I start to think about other stuff and then the lights go out and I'm like, did I win? Oh. That was the first time I, I, I mean, that was the only time I got put to sleep. And it was not everybody thought I died. It was so, <laughs> it was awful. I, uh, the first time I ever went out, I was doing a, uh, a private with Keith Florian. And at the, I think I was a blue belt at the time. 
And he said, oh, I, you know, I want to watch, like at the end of the class, the group class I was in, he's like, oh, I'm going to watch you roll and kind of get a feel for your game so that we can take a look at some different things. And uh, I got, I actually passed this guy's guard and I was knee on stomach. And he had me in like the sacrifice choke. And I'm like, my knees, like I'm getting, I'm like, I'm going to arm bar this guy. Like, I'm like, I'm, again, I'm getting out of the choke. I'm like, I'm getting out, I'm getting out, I'm getting out. And then I'm like, I wonder if Liz saved some of that chicken parm sub that <laughs> I'd love to go home and eat that tonight. And I went out and I, and I wake up and Roberto's shaking my legs, laughing at me. He's like, man, you babbling about chicken parm sub. <laughs> the last time I got put to sleep was, uh, was at a seminar. I was the Uki. And uh, the the woman Mike Pellegrino was marrying in in the Tetons. Christy Sullivan was teaching triangles, and her triangle is really good. And like the first and the second one, I was like, all right, and whatever. They were cumulative because the third one, like all of a sudden, she's looking at me and she's like, "Were you sleeping?" I was like, "No, I wasn't sleeping." Like, and then I looked around. And I was like, "What? What are all these people looking at me for?" And like the feeling started coming back into my body, and I was like, I think I was sleeping. Like, holy crap! And everybody's laughing. It was there was like a hundred people there, probably. You know, who's never been. I, I got a, I got a request to give you something the next time I see you when we train together. Oh, so, <laughs> not going to tell you who it's from. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Going to be a special message from somebody. All right. Good. <laughs> Oh man, I am so curious right now. Right, right. I can't wait till we all get together after this thing is done and like train. It's gonna be so yeah. great. Uh, Maybe you might want to wait. You might want to wait to train with uh, with Pete, but whatever. <laughs> so let's so, uh, let's throw some bets on the table. Like uh, like what do you, when do you guys think we're gonna be back at it? I think we're I, I, I posted this question on, on Facebook today, and my, my question was, at what point on the downward end of this curve do they start allowing businesses to open back up? Is it, you know, when the, when the progression starts going down or, you know, less cases, or is it when we get to zero cases? Nah, it's, not zero, it's not zero cases. The big issue right now is the big issue right now is testing. So there's no real data. That's the reason why things are slow. But once, because the reason why it keeps going up is because people are finally getting tested. There just weren't that many tests last week. So there's a billion tests now. So of course everybody's gonna get tested. It's all gonna go up. But you don't. Have, it's not waiting till zero. That's not what this is about at all. But on the other hand, if it keeps going up and up and up, I think what's gonna happen is there are gonna be areas that are gonna be defined as hot. And Maine is just not a hot spot. So, but my question to you is the difference between opening up some businesses, which is saying you can go to a restaurant and then, you know, how, how are, how are things like gyms going to duck that, you know, that line, you know, because obviously you've got to be a medication. I mean, you can't, if there's no medication and you just go back to training, you go back to group settings. There's no point. You just we're just going to end up right back where we're at right now, and it's going to be even worse. So, if there's no well, medication, my, if there's no vaccine. I mean, the yeah. really legitimate only option is to wait for zero, or else this is going to get spread out for a year, and then there'll be like three gyms left, 
Right. And then we'll all be going to open mats with 500 people on it. And, you know, because, I mean, yeah, that's kind of my the biggest point. thing for all of us is we need to protect us from us. You know what I'm saying? Like, people want to be that person that's like, I'm on Instagram or I'm on Facebook, I'm training. Like, you're putting people in danger, you know? And I've gotten into, not arguments, but uh, debates, you know? And me working with a, 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 um, a more at-risk population, law enforcement, you know, first responders, if you're training and you're dealing with these populations prior to all this lockdown, when things were starting to ramp up and then going to train, you're doing people a disservice. And you're being, uh, in my opinion, you're being negligent because you're, you're, you, the biggest risk so far that the articles that I've read have talked about is the fact that people are walking around asymptomatic for weeks, spreading it because they don't know, they don't feel sick, they don't, nothing. So they don't get tested because it's, Right now, they only want you to get tested if you're showing signs or symptoms or starting to feel those flu-like symptoms. So people are walking around asymptomatic uh, training, doing this and the other thing, uh, you know, trying to live a normal life, which, you know, who's going to say they don't understand that? We all do. However, we need to put ourselves and our individual uh, priorities and, and needs to the, to the back burner right now and think about you know, the world as a whole, because the longer that we try and think of ourselves as an individual and not as a team, then this is going to drag itself out for an extremely long period of time. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be a, a, you know, a, um, a Debbie Downer, but that's just the situation that we're looking at right down, looking at down here now. I mean, it hasn't even gotten bad yet uh, down here. They're talking like two and a half, two, two and a half to th- 14 to 21 days to, you know, to where it's going to peak. And that's just here. No, you know, we're not talking about, you know, out in like West Virginia or out in these rural areas in the middle of the country or the deep South where they have third world medical care, you know, not saying that the doctors and nurses there are of quality. It's just that the access to care is of that level. They just don't have it because of money. You know, I mean, that's the first thing that goes to the wayside is always going to be education and public safety when, when they have to do budget cuts. And we're kind of seeing the we're seeing the uh, the results of that. The fact that we have to require to get supplies from China and Russia, you know, the United States having to get supplies from China and Russia is, in my opinion, just it's uh, it's pretty crappy. You know, we should have we should we should be having all that on stockpile. Um, we don't. And, and you know, hopefully. You know, hopefully a lot of lessons are learned and hopefully uh, things are things are, are gathered from this. And we don't, you know, because, you know, <laughs> with population increasing, this isn't going to be the last time this happens. Hopefully it's in our lifetime, but this probably isn't going to be the last time this happens. Um, Is there a scenario ever where there's enough tests that we can all get tested? There'd have to be 337 million of them. Well, just for jujitsu people, so we can start training. <laughs> well, I mean, what do we got? Eight people here, so that's all we need is eight tests. Like eight, <laughs> <laughs> nine people. We don't need, you know, we got nine people. We don't need more than that. Nine, you know, that's a nice open mat. We got a bunch of killers on. Well, you know, do any of you guys know anybody that's tested positive yet? Yeah, I know. I know yeah, one I guy. Mean, yeah. yeah, I got a couple. Yeah, um, yep. yeah. No, I have at least five or six people that I know. Yep. Really? Yeah. At this point, yeah. 
Yeah. Carolyn's sister. Oh, that's right. So I know two. That's right. That's right. She, yeah. and she but she well, kind of people city, right? Yeah. How many people though do you think have had it? You know, and just thought they had the flu, stayed in bed for several days, super sick. You know. That's the, uh, that's, and then that's the question. Got over I mean, it. That's the danger. That's the or danger not, right there. Not had any I, symptoms I mean, at all. I mean, some people are just completely asymptomatic. Not even nothing. And to get it all the way, way, to get it all the way back around to that original uh, question that you know that Jared, you're asking is is once everybody's sure that there's a test for antibodies means that you had it and you don't have it anymore and you're you know, you're fighting it off. Those are the tests that I think are going to show the difference. Who had it? Right. There's a yeah yeah. There's someone, uh, Julie, who's a doctor or <laughs> a doctor. I'm sorry, a nurse. Uh, is commenting that it'll likely de-escalate the same way it ramped up, but regretfully, restaurants were the first to close, so they'll probably be the last to open. So I think the point is that none of this makes a difference if there's no data. And so the more people that get tested, both for my, my sister's in an infectious disease controller at York Hospital, and you know, so I'm not talking totally out of my ass. It really comes down to testing. Right now, they can't test everybody. They only test the people that are really seriously in trouble right now because there's just not enough tests. So, uh, no matter what, that's got to happen in order yeah. for this whole thing to, to, to. It's like a mass triage situation right now. You know, you, you got to put you know you got to put tags on people and do it by priority because. The, the access to these tests um, just just aren't it's just not there, you know. Um, Does anybody put out a timeline for for that? Like, I mean, were they gonna they plan to test everybody at some well, you point? Got, I mean, you, got, the, you got you got you got you got a couple of places that can come from it. Come from private sector, come from the our government, and it can come from other governments. And right now, the states themselves are reaching out to uh, other governments, which is great. To for other solutions, but that this can get political really quickly. All we have to do is start talking about personalities, and this whole conversation goes to shit. What we need to do is think about when's that? How can we make that happen? How can we, as this great country, mobilize to make this happen? And right it's now, in the process it's, right now. You know, it, it's 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 in the it's that those things are in the in the in, in the stages of happening, right? For sure, because it has to. I mean, there's no choice. Right. You know, there's no other option. You know, the country has to mobilize in the country. I forget what uh, what legis legislation just passed where uh, Trump was able to now have um, well, private business start producing masks and ventilators and stuff. Basically, like in a World War II type footing where, you know, Ford was making Jeeps and guns and stuff like that, basically. Right. We were turning private sector business toward mass producing masks right. and ventilators but, and tests and, and, and all that stuff full respect are, full respect a lot of companies doing that anyway, right but, but but full respect right now this isn't about one guy it's not about the president no no about, i'm just using as an about example a bit, right and so the cool thing is that everybody's facing the same direction right now everybody wants this to happen so it's going to happen we have to remember two weeks ago a, a large part of the country didn't even think this is important. They just were like, yeah, it's going to be like a fuel, a, a flu. It's really only been, there's still States that have not locked down. That's so, the problem, dude. I mean, look at Florida, man. They had spring break. Right. Last well, week, dude. Uh, it's crazy. Right. But I mean, I, but here we are where everybody's realizing how serious this is. And regardless, I mean, it's too bad that the people are really divided about this, but as people come to that reality, that this is a real serious thing, 
once everybody faces in the same direction, this is going to happen fast. Imagine the money that's on the table if someone comes up with a vaccine. You don't think that everybody who can make vaccines is scrambling to make it? So I can't be super. They have it in the testing testing phase right now. That's what I'm saying. So I've got to believe that once everybody gets over this fighting about elections and all this bullshit and just focuses on this common enemy that's a worldwide problem, that we could just stop going them and us and all that and just go, let's get the tests. Let's get people together. Let's solve the problem. Keep down the people that, and then I think it's actually going to happen to be answered. I think it's actually going to happen pretty quickly at that point. Well, this is good data, people. You can't argue with the data. So, Pete, you were with us two weeks ago, man. What's uh, has anything changed, like in your in your neck of the woods, in the last two weeks? No, everything's still on lockdown. Everything's uh, all the businesses are closed, all non-essential. Everything that's been deemed to be non-essential or is not allowed to operate. Um, <clears throat> right now, the governor locked the whole state down. Uh, it's my understanding that the state police are the only ones that are um tasked with enforcing that i don't know how aggressively they're going to enforce it because they're trying to avoid interacting with people just like everybody else is um you know i the thing that worries me is uh you know a lot of small business owners people that own schools tattoo shops uh small restaurants bakeries things of that nature like this is going to take years for those people to recover you know financially and, and for our economy to recover from everything being shut down for so long. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not a business guy, so, but I, I'd have to imagine that there's a lot of businesses out there, a lot of business owners out there that don't really have the capital to hold themselves through missing 30 days with no business whatsoever, you know? It's 100% true pete i'm a musician if it wasn't that i'm very lucky right now to have a position with a relatively large college to teach with i got i went from having a lot of income to literally zero income in one day so that's just the way it is i'm gonna watch a lot of musician friends of mine that's the end of their career it's not gonna come back because it's tough enough to do it they're just done they're going off to uh you know whatever going back to uh fixing cars or whatever they're doing but well, man, it, this is a major thing we can't we can't make believe it's okay it's not okay it's a it's a fucking pandemic so when let's people, get it how long did it take people to feel safe again you know mentally you know mentally okay to just be in a crowd you know well I mean, that's, that's gonna take a while. this is I think that's what fucks people up the most is you, you don't know, you don't know when there, you don't know when you can feel safe. It's like that movie, the happening, like the fucking wind blows and you don't know if you're going to get it from the wind. Blowing, <laughs> you know, or, you know, like, and, I, and I'm, I'm sure the media is, you know, instilling the fear or, you know, making everybody much more scared than they would be had it just been the government releasing things or watching a press conference here and there. Um, and I, I don't know how much, if at all, they're making it seem worse than it is, or if it actually is as bad as they're saying. I mean, obviously people are dying from it, but you just don't know because you hear, the problem is you, you hear it's really bad, it's killing people. And then you hear that the actual flu kills more people than this is killing. And then you hear that, you know, once you get it, you can't, contract it again and you can't pass it to anybody and then you hear that that's not true so you don't know what the 
you know. So the mortality rate is five percent, right? What's that? The mortality rate right now is five percent. Is that correct? I don't That's even know. I yeah, I, I mean, I've I've only heard a couple. I stopped watching the news, um, just because it's like you, you you know you'd be in a panic twenty four hours a day. <laughs> you know, and and I and some you know they're 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 giving out information that's useful, but just the nature of American media and as much as politics, you know, uh, infiltrates a lot of what the media is putting out there. You just, you don't know. Look to what, to what Devin said, I think that goes back to the testing where they're only testing people that are symptomatic. So, I mean, that's the mortality rate can't really be accurate because if, unless you're testing everybody, to really get a clear sense of it, how could you possibly know what the, yeah. what the true mortality rate is? You know what I mean? Yeah. Just people that are sense. getting in are crazy sick. So I guess that makes, you know, a big difference. The people that aren't that sick oh, that are so, yeah, oh, fighting yeah, through. I mean, it's definitely making people really sick, but there's a lot of people that are not getting sick at all or completely asymptomatic and not getting tested. <laughs> so there's a whole group of people that, possibly have this and you know are not even really being factored into the total equation of people you know what I, you know what i mean and so, they're probably just getting factored into the common flu with all these you know statistics that are going around right now i, I just, agree with both you guys like the especially you know jared like what you're saying i think of when this thing started you know and they're saying that there was potentially cases in the u.s way before we even started talking about it and i i look back to january i got really sick in january I wouldn't say really sick. I was really sick for about a week. And then it just it was this nagging thing that took like six weeks to go away. Yeah. And it's like, maybe I had it. You know what I mean? Who knows? That's what they're talking about. They're saying, hey, as early as January, there was probably cases in the U.S. Obviously, we're not watching out for anything. It's flu season, cold season. It's pretty nasty this year. We've got two different strains of the flu. People just make assumptions when they get sick. Yeah, there's no question. Allergies, seasonal allergies, and it's just I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going around right now. There's there's no question. A, a couple of us, I know George got super <laughs> sick. I got I got I got real bad. I was it was it was tough. I like you know <clears throat> fainted in the shower and the whole shit. I mean, like I had some real sickness. We had a bunch of it went through the club, I think. But I don't know if that's it. I mean, if we could get tested for antibodies, for all we know, we already had it. That's what I mean. I think that's right. what's going to drop this. Everybody's going to go, okay, now we know what's going on. This is where it is. This is what we're going to do. Let's keep people from flying from here to here, and maybe we can get this down. Yeah, I, I, a, I lost 13 I, pounds. 13 pounds in a week. What's that? You gained 13 pounds, George? I lost 13 pounds in the beginning of February. I need like, to go get me some Right, because you're not getting Chipotle after training now. <laughs> oh, I've gained all that weight back, dude. I'm not light anymore. I've weighed less than Trevor Stone and Tro and Troy. Like, I was, you you mean that because you were sick is what you mean, right? Because I was sick, I weighed a hundred and uh, like a hundred and thirty two pounds or something, like a hundred and thirty one pounds. Those are black. It's all head, George. That's how you're saying now. <laughs> no, I've like I lost track of the conversation. I'm still <laughs> staring at the Phoebe's <laughs> eyes through my own camera. Small, small, small package, George. <laughs> That's small container. Small container. <laughs> we were. I have a buddy. I have a buddy who's in his mid 40s that has leukemia. He got diagnosed a couple years ago. Uh, 
he actually had at the beginning of last year. So when all this, when the media started covering it, um, I ended up, you know, hanging out with him and a couple other guys. And he would, you know, he did all of his, his uh, cancer treatments and thing. And he said, I had that last year. And I, and I was just like having a bad flu and then it passed. I was good. And, and you know, so I, who knows? Who's to say, right? It's possible. I, it I, he had it like, uh, I want to say January, February, because he said it was the beginning of last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I got really sick last year, too. Is it possible it could have been a different type of coronavirus, too? I mean, it, this is a, a newer type. I mean, who knows? I mean, who The knows problem I have is I hang around with Jay Mansfield, so it, it, you don't know what I'm getting, you know? <laughs> I'm infectious. You should be in <laughs> well, we already know, We already know Jay uses other people's toothbrushes. So. <laughs> not on his mouth. No. <laughs> it depends whether I like you or not. <laughs> so what has everybody been doing i know that pete has been learning how to play guitar man how is the guitar going it's going good i play a couple times a day at least uh it's at least two hours um that working out uh you know i have a gym at the house so working out with my son getting stuff done around the house like being being retired, I'm actually kind of enjoying the, the peace and quiet and, you know, not a lot of traffic and not having to deal with people and not having to be out and, you know, the and have to deal with the normal, you know, bullshit and drama of like a normal day. It's, it's kind of been like a, like a quiet reset for me at least, but I'm fortunate to, you know, still have an income coming in. Do you feel like learning how to play guitar, like I, when I was like started and still, I feel like learning how to, like music and jujitsu are like so I, I was, similar. I was going to finish your sentence before you even said it. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah, it's, um, it's like, you know, you're going down a rabbit hole. Yeah. That is going to take years and years and years and years to even get a handle on. And it's the same thing with jujitsu. You know, the, the funny thing about that is I think that it's, and I, I've, I've dabbled with a lot of different instruments over the years, but um, I think it's the same thing too, where you get around, you've been playing for a few years, and you're like, hey, I think I'm pretty good at this. And then you find out you're not. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, like I, I'm trying to, I, I'm, I'm literally taking the same, you know, uh, I guess doing, you know, doing jujitsu for so many years we all make the same mistakes in the beginning. We try to jump ahead and we try to, you know, learn shit that we really shouldn't be worrying about at the time, you know, like focus on the fundamentals, focus on the basics, take baby steps, you know, let the natural, um, let it take its course, let the natural course of, uh, skill come from just putting the time in and playing. You know, I set time aside every day to play. Um, even if it's, even if it's just to do like, you know, like finger exercises or memorizing the chords or the notes or whatever. Um, just trying to stick with the basics and, you know, let the skill come when it comes. I try to do like positional rolling too. Like I, like, and this is all people showing me stuff, but like, it's like, just break it down into little parts and practice the little parts over and over. Like you're doing positional roles. And I was like, Oh yeah. And the, the funny thing is I have a really good music teacher and I've already had a couple times where 
he's he explained something to me and then like the light goes off and i'm like ah now it makes sense and it's the same thing with jujitsu you're you know like we everybody's got those positions where for whatever reason you just feel like you know like you're just for whatever reason not getting it it's just not sinking in and then some random thing is said or shown and you're like ah that's it and now it makes sense and you never forget it after that so my i've guitar, already i've already my had guitar a teacher's better so if you don't have me sticking my nose in here I, I think the difference i mean there's no question it's super similar and i think the real connection is that if you're trying to do it you're not doing the right thing like when you're doing it it's because you already are there and you're just it's happening right so all the right you can practice it i can practice my you know entry into xyz all over and over again but when you're rolling and it works it's not that hard, right? And the biggest <laughs> difference, though, the biggest difference in the end is that you can't compete with music. You can never know. You're never going to know. No one's going to know whether well, they're good I, or not. I started when I was four, and I got good. In other words, I started getting paid when I was 21, and I'm 56. So how do you, how do you measure the difference between going on tour at 21 and 56, does that mean I'm better? Or was I just, so, is, it, is it just you get a black belt and then you're the same forever? You can never know because what happens is you realize really quickly, it's not that hard to do all the moves, man, in music. You know, it's like, it's like if you go, okay, you know what? I got the Danaher, got the Marcelo, I got the Pedro Sauer. I got all these down. I got all the moves, so I guess I'm the best, right? And then... That's not how it works. It's just I think there's, I, there's, no, I think that, there's no competitor. There's no way of measuring. You just do what you love. And the funny thing is people hate what you do. It doesn't matter what it is. People will say, oh, you, you play faster. Like Rush is better than fucking, you know, whatever, Bob Dylan. Because they can play. Rush as an example. No, do you see what I mean? That's exactly in <laughs> the end. You, can't, you cannot win. But here's there's the people like, that adore Blink-182 and there's people that think that Blink-182 is the dumbest ass thing they've ever heard. But the guys in Blink-182 do what they want to do. You can't win. So here's the thing though, like there, there's a certainly an aspect of that where the, where the comparison doesn't work, right? When you think of if you're if you're measuring your jiu-jitsu at a competition level and there's a bunch of guys on this podcast that compete a lot. I know Jared is, is a heavy competitor and I've I've seen you win and I've seen you lose and nobody is more pissed off when they lose, and and I'm a horrible loser too. Like when I lose, I am like I'm difficult to be around for a while, and that aspect, yes. Like if you're if you're if that's if that's if that's your measuring stick for sure. Like I I I, I do measure myself on how I <clears throat> because it's it's an important thing to me. It's part of my 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 judicial experience, but. When you look at the development of my game overall as I get older and then I learn more about jiu-jitsu, it's a measure about where I was, not even yesterday or a week ago or a month ago, the game is, am I better than I was a year ago? Am I more knowledgeable? Is my game more expansive than it was a year ago? And sometimes, you know, like, and, it, and the, the inspiration to expand your game comes and goes. Sometimes you just want to do what you're good at and win roles and really fine tune the things are your go-to moves. And other times you go into expansion mode and you're trying to expand your game to do different things. And I think if you look at it that way, if you look at it from an expansion perspective and kind of like how I feel generally when I'm on the mat 
You know what I mean? Am I better than I was a year ago? Then it's exactly like playing the guitar. Ah, I was with you all the way to the last part of that sentence. The reason why it's different is because Bob Dylan doesn't have to get better. Right. But he does. No, 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 he doesn't. He re- There's no motivation to get – like I don't – I play the piano real well, but I don't really care whether I get better or not because if I get better, it doesn't make the art better. It just makes me play faster. So you would, that, would that be individual? Right. You can't try to make the art better. It's like being over – look, you, you play golf. It's like being over the, the ball. I'm not saying a better swing. I'm saying it's like being over the ball and going – no, just relax. That's not how you relax. You relax by just not doing it. Hey, don't you guys feel That's like he's describing jiu-jitsu right now? What's that? He's like literally describing jiu-jitsu. No, no, I am. I'm with you. I'm with you. But the difference is when, you, when you're looking at someone else, there is something happening. Like there's, there's a connection that you do not have with music. The music is bigger than that moment. And listen, I, I love both of these things, but it's a different, I'm just telling you from, uh, from my position, it's not, you don't actually get better. You just I, use, what, you use what would you cons- I mean, thinking about it from a, from a performance perspective though, <laughs> I mean, if you're watching like an elite level jujitsu guy and an elite level performer, I mean, there's, there's a sense of dynamics and there's a sense of like, uh, you know, momentary inspiration and kind of like uh, all your training kind of comes into that moment. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of ways that's, it's very similar. I mean, obviously at a musical standpoint, you're playing with other musicians. So there's a lot more dynamics going on there, but um, you know, I think in that sense, it's, it's very similar. It's, it's all your training and everything yeah. that you've done and built up in, to that point and you're going out and the, and the whole point is to perform and it's at, at, at that point that you're letting things go like you're not thinking about it anymore you're just out there just you know letting all your training take over and i think there's no question no yeah, question I mean, you're dead on and but i think in music it's a little more like a curb like there's no question you got to learn how to play your instrument you got to learn how to feel comfortable doing what you're doing you get up the curb you go over the curb and that's it I mean, I have learned a ton of things musically. I've tried to, I've learned a completely different style. The last video game I made was completely in a style I've never worked on before. It took a good half a year to sort of absorb the style and change it around and figure out how I wanted to approach it. Just like you say, you know, like whatever, I'm going to spend six months learning X, you know, really learning X guard, like really taking it to another level or something, right? Riddler, what would you tell somebody if in based on your, uh, you know, based on your, your thought, you basically, you know, cause you get to a certain point, you just don't get any better. Right. So what would you, what would be your motivation for somebody else to continue training jujitsu if they're never theoretically going to get better? Oh no, but that's the, you're, you're knocking on the difference. I think in the case of jujitsu, you can learn new skills. You can actually become better like you can actually because you're continually being tested you can actually like right now i'm I'm lucky to be able to look at pretty much almost any size white belt that comes into the place even at my advanced age and i'm fine there's nobody's beating me up like they're coming out of nowhere which is not the case like three years ago so i mean you can actually measure this betterness because i know i've gotten better i've gotten better each year as a black right but music is different and and noticeably too even you know noticeably you know personally 
music. But I also don't play music like you do either. So well, it's a different kind of thing. You obviously have to get decent enough to do stuff. But uh, look, I'll I'll call Devin out. Devin's a great guitar player. Devin can probably sing. I haven't heard him sing and play. I'm sure he can. But you don't have a lot more. Devin doesn't have a lot more than he needs to do to actually go out and play this thing. Like if you said, I'm going to have a band, and you go out and play in a band, you're going to play in a band. And you know what? The, the art is going to look at you and go, great. Now do it for 20 years. Yeah, my, I mean, for me, my, my biggest thing isn't like, am I better? It's do I it's it's usually enjoyment you know do I still there it is do I still love it um there it is. when I'm writing songs now when I play them they're a little bit different than when I used to play when I was 16 in a band but the biggest thing is it's always does it make me smile when I write this riff it doesn't matter if it's super intricate or you know I get frustrated if I'm trying to play like a fancy riff and if I'm messing it up but it's always because I want you know I want to enjoy the way it sounds you know i i love hearing it and i love you know the beauty of the guitar and the amp um but it's not like well i mean i'm not a, a top musician i watch some guys like there's this band tiny moving parts and their guitarist dylan is just so crazy and he inspires me but it's not to be as good as as him but it's seeing his style and it's just like jujitsu you see somebody like everybody's like oh gordon ryan's leg lock is so good you know so Let's do that, you know, and then Marcel Garcia, like, wow, his his uh, North Cell choker, you know, whatever whatever it is, you know, and and uh, it it's I think as long as you're getting inspired and you're loving what you're doing, the there's, there's progression, but that that's not always like the uh, that's I'm not always looking course. at like, am I better? I just I just want to always enjoy it, like because yeah. there's stuff like um like Guy, I'm not as good as I was in Guy, um, you know, years ago, and. I've come to terms with that, but that's because I'm doing so much more nogi. And for me, it's when I look at it as like, all right, could Devin today, um, could he have won some of the fights that he didn't win before? And like, all right, yeah, I could, because I'm loving doing those things and I'm, I'm replacing the gi a little bit more with the nogi and I love it every day, but it, it's, it's just forming me into a better <laughs> artist um, in nogi. So I, I think enjoyment and the love for the martial art or the guitar is the biggest thing. Because yeah, if you're not driven, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna perform well. That's the thing. One of my friends uh, describes their career like, uh, and most people's career like, and this is exactly the same for me for both both things. Which is that it's like you're a hot air balloon and you just blow air up into the balloon. And as long as you keep blowing, you got a career. And the minute that you just stop blowing air into the balloon, the balloon just slowly floats down. And the music just goes away. And there you go. Like, it, your art goes away. The art doesn't really care about you musically. It just goes, you know what? I got someone. Like, everybody makes this. You don't have to do this, you know? And in that way, it's similar. All you got to do is stop training. And you'll, you'll be able to be okay. But your training's going away. And it just goes away, right? In other words, you, you'll have it. It doesn't go anywhere, really. But you can't take the, just give up and say, I'm quit. And I'm never going to train jujitsu, And then come back like six years later and expect it to be there. So there's that. But there's no real direct motivation to keep making art. The only reason why, if the reason why you're doing it is to make money, it's not the good reason. If you're doing it because you love to get that special little hug that only a stranger can give you, that's like saying the only reason why you train jiu-jitsu is so you can win medals. And as long as you're winning medals, you feel great. And if you don't win medals, then fuck this. I don't want to do it anymore. 
That's not, are, not, it's not good for either of them. That that's the same for both of them. What was that, Pete? I said there are a lot of people that have that mentality. Oh, and, and musicians. And these musicians, as soon as they're, as soon as they're not selling out a, you know, a, a club or whatever, they're like, fuck this, I don't want to do this anymore. That's the same. I mean, there's no question that's the same. But that motivation, the motivation in jiu-jitsu is easy. As long as I show up, if I don't effing try to do this, someone is going to make me have a lot of pain. So it's like a really easy motivation. It's like, ah, ah, I had best try to get better at this. I just don't want to let down Jay Mansfield. That's my, my, that's my motivation. Uh, and, 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 wanna... There you go. It's so funny because yeah. I, I don't want to let down Jay Mansfield. Yeah, I know I'm, I'm kind of taking over the conversation. I'll say this and get out of the way. That's the one thing that's the same, which Dude. is that if you do it for someone else, everything changes. So for me, I'm a big honor person. I came from, a, you know, when I was younger, I was kind of unmoored. So I moor myself onto certain people, certain places. Like I moor myself onto our club. So I got to respect the club. I got to train because I don't want to let the club down. Like I do it for a combination of myself and the people that I honor. They're giving me something. I'll give a, how about coach? Like I can't show up like shit in front of coach. It's like, it's like having a shitty gee. Like I have to be, I got to be relatively in shape. I have to be serious about it. I got to do that. And now with me, it's going to sound really cheesy, but I lost a lot of this fun in music. I kind of fell out of it. I had kids and I started going, man, you know what? They're watching me, right? And so when I play, <laughs> I'm not going to fuck up some show in front of my boys. If I'm playing in front of my boys, I got two boys. I'm the best pe I'm the best musician in the world and that's it forever. Like I can't let them down. So that's that's a different thing. That, and that's a but that's a huge motivation for me when I compete. I mean I've competed so many times. I I, I know that Jared, Devin, Joey, Pete, George, we've all and you competed a lot judo, you know, historically that you compete so much at some point, you know, uh and once you get your own school and you know there's a lot of your students that are watching, you don't want to let them down. And it's the last thing I think of before I, I walk out there and I'm like, do them right. And it, that's the thing that amps me up the most before I walk out on that mat is that I don't want to let them down. I'm yeah, like, doing them right is stepping out on the mat. That's I, it. I mean, that's, that's when, you, when you put your words, <clears throat> regardless of – Result. Obviously, everybody on this podcast wants to get on the mat and, and compete and be successful, obviously. But if you put that extra pressure to be like, well, I don't want to let my students down. Well, then maybe we're going to go at it with a different mindset, you know, and not be in the uh, in the, the zone or the, the, the path that we need to be in. The, the moment, you know, my, my whole one of my whole purposes now is, is, is in competing still is, you know, if I'm going to sit there and tell my students something. I need to, I need to be doing what I'm telling them, you know? Um, so if I tell them, you know, compete, you know, test yourself, you know, face the fear. I don't care about the, the medals, the medals. If, if competing is something you're going to do and want to do over a period of time, you're going to figure out your way to get to those medals. The question is, are we going to be able to take that punch in the face constantly to get there? You know, well, now I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, um, you know, let anybody down, but I'm, when I step out there and I, I put my words into action right there, I, I, I already, I already did what I had to for the students. And then from that point there, it's, 
for me to expand, like we just talked about, you know, getting on a mat with somebody better, you know, like training with George and training with Jay and training with everybody that would have been at the camp, you know, I mean, that's, 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 that's a competition. That's a, that's facing a fear, getting on the mat with other people you don't know. Not anymore because everybody there is like family now, but before in you know, the Globetrotter camps and going to travel and training when you travel and everything like that, um, that's a test. You're, you know, you're putting your words into actions and, and I, I, I don't know if students know how to verbalize that to, a, to an instructor or a coach to be like, listen, coach, you know, I really appreciate when you show how to face fear by just doing it, you know, regardless of outcome, by just going out there and doing it. You know, that, that's 99% of the battle. And Joey, then from there, now that, the other 1% is where we can add all these different caveats of I, wanna, I don't want to let this person down or I want to do this or that. That's that 1% where we can kind of, kind of uh, mindfuck ourselves. Um, well, I mean, I said this in the first place because I know that everybody on this screen I'm looking at has a sense of honor. I mean, that's one of the cool things about looking at, at these people. And everybody's going to honor the things that they're going to honor. In my case, you know, 90% of my life is, is about you know, music, if I'm talking about things that I, I do other than my family and, and people I love. And maybe 10 of it or maybe 15, 20% of it is jujitsu, depending on the time of year. But the honor system is the same. And I know, I, I know this guy over here is honoring somebody and this one here and that one down there. I can see the honor in everybody, whether it's the students, whether it's your past. Every time you bump hands, man. Every time you bump hands and you roll and you train and you do it safely and you allow your you, – you allow your, your training partner to, to practice on you and they allow you to practice on them. You're honoring the art. You're honoring them. Um, you're honoring your coach. You're honoring yeah. your coach's coach. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's, you know, it's, it's right there every single time you, you get out there and you train, you know, maturely and, and safely and, uh, and you have a smile on your face. You're, I you agree. Know, you're honoring I, every I, time. I completely agree. I think, and to put that to bed, I think for me, haven't done it since I was four, like, I feel like there's this big thing. That's sort of this big vortex, you know, that is art or I mean, I'll use that. I'll use my thing, music as, as it. And it was there before I came along and it was it's going to be there way after I'm gone. And my job is to try to push it forward a little bit. You know, and some people do this huge, you know, Stevie Ray <laughs> and just like pushes the art forward. You know, these major composers, people have changed things, right? And some people just go, hey, I wrote a song, you know, and uh, I, I, I wrote this one song and I'm going to play it during this quarantine. <sighs> like everybody's just pushing it forward, you know, but it doesn't actually give a fuck about me or you or anybody else. It's way bigger than these little ant people that are on these. So for me... I'm just trying to honor the, the project. I'm trying to do it. Right now, I'm working on two projects that are both launching in the fall. They're all original music. They're my shit. And it's terrifying because I'm thinking about everybody around me. I'm thinking about my, the people I played with, the people I am playing with in the project. I'm thinking about the students that I teach. I'm thinking all this. I got to stand up. I got to go out there and do this. I got to do it right. And I know that that's Yellow, how you guys Yellow, feel. Man. But I know that's how YOLO. you feel when you compete. I know that it is because you're not going out on that mat yourself, and that's the same. So right. I, it's funny because, like, I got an interest in 
I mean, I'm a white belt in music, dude, right? And so when I when people come and like when we got students that are white belt and blue belt are gonna compete, I'm like, listen, dude, it's just give it your best, right? We can't control the outcome. Like you try your hardest. I'm not nobody, you know, nobody's gonna remember this thing. Like, don't worry, just go have fun. Like just try hard. That's all I can ask of you, right? Don't you know. Whatever. Nobody cares who the white belt world champion is. Yeah, nobody cares about who <laughs> the white belt grappling industries in 2019. Nobody cares. But, like, I go, right? I mean, I would, too, if I won it. But I go, uh, I go, to the, I go and play music with, with the Riddler. I, I can never – I cannot remember being more nervous in my entire life than the one – to the time we played recently in Amesbury – Call it out. The, so George played with his band, Better Than Expected, <laughs> which was uh, myself and uh, another professional guitar player, Eddie Van, Eddie Van Whitebelt, uh, who plays in a What's fantastic band? band. It's his band. It's called Better Than Expected. Uh, I didn't name it. I think it's a silly name, but whatever. But so, and, uh, let me pimp, let me pimp my friend's band. My friend Bob plays with this band called The Screen with an N, which is on Spotify. It'll blow your balls off if you listen to it. He's a crazy good guitar player. No motivation to listen to it if I'm going to get my balls blown off. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not you that make bad. make a good point. But the bottom line is I'm playing drums and Bob's playing guitar, and then there is two jujitsu dudes from our club. Oh, with the BTE. Look at that. Wow, he's even got stickers. It's a real band now. Uh, but anyway, so he's playing guitar. And our friend Chris is playing bass. Chris LaFam. Yeah. And these uh, guys Chris. are terrified. And it's awesome because they get up there, they lay it down. And my favorite part, I'll call you out, George. I know I'm going on. I'll call you out. George plays the solo on the Dire Straits song, Woo. The Sultans of Swing, which is not an easy solo. Oh, man. And we, if we're going to play on stage and I'm playing drums, I'm not holding back. I'm going to pop it. We're going to go. We're going to bring it. Those people are going to be listening to a good version of this goddamn song. It's going right <laughs> up the middle. Bam, 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 right? Which means he has to ride the wave. Ride that wave. And you did. And then, my favorite part, right towards the end, couldn't keep up with it. Kind of lost the wave. So you know what this little motherfucker did? He made it up. And it was great. He just made that shit up. No problem at all. Kept it going all the way through. What a blast. And that Dude. is very much like jujitsu. Dude, it was a blast, but I've never been more nervous in my entire life. And for, but for the same reasons like you're talking about, like, I was like, man, we can't embarrass Riddler and Eddie Van Whitebelt. Like, Jesus. Like, these guys are like, they're real musicians. I don't want to make them look bad, like by going up and sucking real bad, right? I was shaking. I was so nervous. Yeah. <laughs> no lie. I think that's the reason we do this shit, though. Yeah, I tell you. you know, it's not like we're not. It's not like you're like, oh, I should do this because I'm so scared. Um, because there's a lot of shit. Like, I'd be scared to fucking jump off a cliff, you know, and I'm probably not going to do that just because it's scary but it's that that feeling that you get after or during you know like if i were to to go and fight if i didn't love some part of it once it it started going off i wouldn't fucking do it again 
you know, but some weird part of me after it's all said and done or, or during it when the violence is happening and I'm, I'm elbowing someone in the face, uh, this weird sadistic part of me is like in love. You know, it's this beautiful, violent art that I love. Um, there's always, you know, it's always, you're, you're afraid to let people down. Um, but what I've, what I've realized from fighting on national television, you never let people down. Like the people that, that really matter, they're on you. They're, they're on your back. They got you forever. Um, they, they walk with you to the cage or like they're watching you from afar, but th they support you. The people that, that aren't with you, they're, you know, they're the ones that don't matter anyways. They're, they're just waiting for a minute for you to fuck up. To, to write some stupid shit on the internet, but it doesn't matter. Like that, those people are only looking for a chance to try and knock you down. When you succeed, they hide behind their keyboards and just wait for the chance to say some shit. Um, but like, there's no no reason to do it if you don't have some kind of love for it. When you performed, I bet you felt better than you felt in years. Not way better than jujitsu because it was different. You know, I bet that was like the best high you've had in a long time. You know, and it like. There's, there's, you're chasing that high whenever it's like jujitsu or MMA or performing as a musician. Um, I think that's the, the, the key to it. You know, it's like, you've got to have this, this love, you know, and it's scary performing, but when you get out and do it, there's, there's nothing to compare it to. Damn I think, it. Uh, I think Damn there's it. a big parallel with jujitsu there too, because um, that feeling of, of walking out on the mat, you know what I mean? Everybody gets nervous, right? Everybody like, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a certain aspect to the nerves before you go out there. And like I mentioned, like, you know, for me, it, it's, 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 I, you know, the last thing I think about is like, don't let them down, get out there. And that's the thing that makes me a little bit sharper, not flat footed in the beginning of the fight, but we compete and we do these things. We play music for a lot of different reasons, but Devin's right. Like when you have to be, have to have a little fire inside of you that loves like, <clears throat> Petition day or fight day or performance day. Like when you wake up in the morning and you're like, today's the day. And I'm, uh, you know what I mean? And like, today's the day. Oh, you're taking the hill. Today's the day. Something inside of you has to love that in order to do it. Otherwise, wh whether it's music or whether it's jujitsu or whether it's MMA or boxing or whatever, like you're lying to yourself about why you do this, about why you go out and, and, and put it on the line like that. Because if you don't love the feel of that, <laughs> And the and the and the the, the self evolution of feeling that and dealing with it and learning and getting better through time and really loving the experience of it, you're lying to yourself about why you're doing it, and you're just torturing yourself. I think you're I think you're dead on. I think there's another aspect to it, but it just goes off into another conversation, which is you're right. Performance is almost exactly the same, although it's it although. You, you, there's something really satisfying about uh, we have hey. you okay yes. she's so mean <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the, the, the coolest thing about jujitsu and judo and all this is it's a sudden death sport like I mean assuming you don't go to the end someone's gonna die someone's gonna lose right it's not like it's not like this it's not like tennis you know like you're gonna keep playing and or a mercy rule in, like, baseball. You know, you're kind of going to play all nine innings, that kind of thing, right? And it's like, this is cool because it's sudden death. <clears throat> music, you're talking about performing in music, and I agree. I think all you guys are talking about it. But once you start writing music, you, there's no reason to do it. You just do it. And it's just out there. And to be honest, that is really cool, and I'm trying to get that into my martial arts life. Well, not to go into the 
into training and going, how, you know, how awesome am I going to be today? But you just go, you know what? Going to roll. It's going to be great. I just try not to probably going to tap. But even then, try not to suck. Come on. I'm going to try not to suck. It's a big, it's a big, tall, burly New Englander that I cannot, I, I can't go to sleep tonight knowing Jay Mansfield's like, man, Joe sucks ass. I'm just saying, if I there's if, no way, brother. I love that. <laughs> See, you go to bed. You go to bed sad a lot. Is what I'm getting at, and I refuse to do that. Last time I rolled with Jay, I went for it. We went for it. We did the thing. I was great. I sucked, but that didn't matter. You know Last time I rolled with Jay, I was just about to get on his back until that go-go gadget right arm just reached up from nowhere. His arm is so long compared to my body that when he reached up and grabbed me, his hand was actually on my chest over my shoulder, and he just ripped me off his back, and he's like, no, boy. I like to think that he's right there. Somewhere, but... <laughs> Big old go-go gadget hand just ripped me off his back like I was a fly. I, I was like, okay. Things with that arm. Yeah, I experienced one of them. Is, is one of your... No. Uh, so anyway, people like Pete and people like, uh, you know, Jay, it's like, I mean, uh, uh, George, it's like, you're right. Like, you're going to see all these cool things happening. And, and it's just, I'm sure the same as like jujitsu in the beginning, you have all these big leaps and bounds and you can be like, oh, I can do this now. And hey, I can play my favorite song. And that's <laughs> awesome. And I'm right there for everybody. And it's just, after a while, it's, it's just about like, like what Devin was saying. It's if you don't love doing it, then move on. It's all good. But if you and it can't be just about oh, but I if I don't perform, like there's nothing here. That's like saying, hey man, like if I don't compete, if I'm not if I don't have a medal on the line, I'm going to quit jujitsu. Like that's it's a different thing, you know. Yeah, and for well, for me, for jujitsu and for music, the it's I'm I'm a little bit different than I think a lot of you guys are. Um, as far as like the my what attracts me to jujitsu is the process. Like it wasn't so much the the it, it wasn't so much the competing against other people. Like as far as like a formal competition, I could care less. I I never I never cared for competing. I never had any desire to enter a tournament or or I just I don't care about it. It's for me for my life that aspect of jujitsu is meaningless to me. The, it was the process, the whole process of learning jujitsu that I fell in love with, and it was the it was the process of you know working uh, a twenty hour day, and then you know not wanting to go to jujitsu and going anyway knowing that I was exhausted, I didn't see my family, I haven't eaten, you know, in 10 hours, uh, whatever it was, and still making it there. Whether I did good or did bad, just the fact that I went to class and made it through class, I was happy. And loving it anyway, right? Whether it was good or it was bad. It's just my, my mentality towards it was, obviously I want to, I, I don't, I want to do better, but my thing was just going and making it there. Cause I had a lot of times with my work schedule years ago when my kids were younger, where 
it, my my availability to go to class was very sporadic. Like I might go, you know, in my white and blue belt days, I might go two times a week and then I might not get there for another three weeks and then I might go once and then I might not get there for another two weeks. And then as my kids got older, uh, I was able to go a lot more often, you know, get there three, four times a week and depending on what was happening with work, you know, it was sometimes I couldn't make it there, but I never... I didn't stress over it. My mentality was I go as much as I can and the, the skill will come. You know, like you can get on a bike and start pedaling frivolously and not have any balance. Eventually, if you keep getting on that bike and just start pedaling, eventually your body and nature is going to make that, make you balance on that bike and make the bike start moving, you know? Good analogy. So, so I didn't, I didn't, I wouldn't go to class and think I got to beat this guy. My goal is to beat this guy today. My goal was just go to class because I mean, you know, like you learn a million things I could learn, you know, and, and Jared's jujitsu is some of the best jujitsu in the world. Like his positions and just the way he trains is like, unlike anybody I've ever seen. I, we would do a class. He would show three positions. We would drill it. I would like literally would walk out of class and five minutes after walking out of class, I had so much other shit on my mind. I couldn't remember anything. We just learned. Quote you know? the truth right there. Quote but the truth. more you go, my, my whole thing was the more, just go, just show up. If I show up, eventually that stuff's going to start sticking. And I didn't really have to, I didn't really have, I didn't put a lot of effort in trying to remember everything. I just tried my, my goal was to show up and train and give it the best that give it whatever I had that day. You know, sometimes it's more, it was more than other days, but eventually it's mu- It's like muscle memory, you know, eventually it, it, it starts to stick and that's, and it just starts coming. You know what I mean? And then things start to get a little bit less, uh, you know, you, you can do things with less effort, you know, with, with less trying, you know, and, and it's the same thing with music. Like, it's just the process of learning that is attracting me to it. You yeah, know? there's a lot of explosions of awesome, too, that happen in both these things. And it's cool oh, for looking, sure. looking again at the screen and seeing, like, all these people with different motivations as to why they're doing even what we're talking about right now. I, I should I want to make sure that we're paying uh, some attention to the people that are paying attention to us. There's a bunch of people watching. Someone who I believe is in Japan, David Smith, uh, wrote in about Japan really isn't uh, panicking. Uh, at the same time, uh, that's that's not in our time zone here. So uh, I, uh, personally, one of my favorite roles, uh, David and uh, we didn't get to roll that many times, but we just matched right up real well. And uh, what a great guy. Uh, I believe it's David. It could also be uh, his wife, Jerica, as well. Uh, Joe Ortiz, uh, my friend, wrote in, shit, I thought this was Pornhub. Wrong Zoom. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing my friend Joe, I actually believe him. That's probably what he was saying. I'm sorry I didn't see there was a child here. While I said that, I'm going to assume that they don't understand what I just said. Yeah, he's not there yet. Sorry Sorry about that. (laughs) No Pornhub yet. Uh, this some guy named Robert uh, Beal. I don't know who he is. Said, mm. "Yay, BTE sticker." That was uh, in there, and uh, and that same young man uh, who I believe is also a really good guitar player, uh, Pete, gave you a serious 
amen on showing up because you show up and you just keep going and you don't sweat the shit, you know? Yeah. And and for you guys, like, I just want to add that I don't know how much more time we got, but for you guys that own schools, like, don't forget the, the most important thing, my opinion, the most important thing you guys are given to your students is like you guys, you, you never know what your students went through that day just to be able to make it to class. So at the very basic level, keep in mind that you guys are saving a lot of people from depression, you know, bad home lives, bad relationships, like the, the process of going, of showing up to class, knowing that it's going to be hard, knowing that you're going to totally expend yourself and pushing yourself to make it there. And once you get there, completely clearing your mind, it's a, it's an escape for a lot of people from a lot of bullshit in their lives. Still so is for we, us. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, like, I, that's, I the, that's the hardest part about this whole thing is, is for me is, I mean, going back to exactly what you're talking about, that process, I mean, it never stops. It never stops. Even when you become an instructor, maybe the, the, the motivation and, and the, the focus shifts, but it's still about the process, you know? And I, you know, yeah. I know everybody here lives, they, they, you know, I, I live for this. I wake up. It's, it's my, it's my career. It's my passion. It's, it's everything that we do, you know? And that for me, that's like the most, I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking. It really is. You know, it's just difficult, difficult thing to deal with, like not being there every day and sharing, sharing the knowledge and feeling the energy from the people and just like that interaction that is just, it's huge. It's huge, you know? And, and you know, I, I totally agree with what you're saying about the process, you know, it's just that daily thing. And, and, you know, we, we almost become like creatures of habit and, really develop that routine over, over years and even decades, you know what I mean? And it becomes so ingrained, it's so much a part of you that when that's taken away, it's like somebody cutting a limb off you, you know what I mean? It's, it's a real, it, you feel it, you know what I mean? So you know, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I totally I, agree with what you're saying. Yeah, and then the reason I brought that up is oh, I, I've noticed over the years, I mean, I've been training, I guess, since uh, it's probably 20 years now, maybe a little bit more um a lot of the focus has shifted towards like competition's a big aspect of jiu-jitsu you know sport jiu-jitsu and a, and a lot of the focus has transitioned to that and i don't want you guys as a student i'm a lifelong student um i don't consider myself you know uh i feel weird you know, like when I, when I got my black belt, it was, it was, just, it was a weird, it's just a weird thing. There's, you feel like there's this responsibility on you and there is to push it, but the responsibility, the, the real responsibility and the real benefit that you guys bring to people is helping, is giving your students motivation and purpose to push through whatever bullshit is going on in their lives. So don't forget that, you know, like even should we talked about it, uh, in episode season one, episode six, when I was up there, um, you know, that that's a huge thing. And even your students showing up as a student, you know, you need to, 
it's important for, for the other people in my school to be there. You know, when I walk in for me to see my people there to be able to cleanse myself of whatever bullshit was going on. And it's also important for you as a student and as an instructor to be there to help facilitate those people that are coming in that just need to push through whatever, you know, and obviously get better at jujitsu. That's, you know, that that's an ever present thing. I mean, you, you definitely want to get better, but there's so many other deep rooted aspects to jujitsu that I think the current state of affairs with the whole competition scene, I think that that sometimes you get lost and you, and you kind of forget that very basic aspect of it. And yeah, how I, think, it I think, I think people that are doing this with that mindset, like you're talking about Pete, they're also not going to bring it up at class and not walking around going, yeah, I have these demons and I'm trying to get rid of right. them. Yeah, you, you just most of the time, quiet about it, you know, and, yeah, and most so, of the time you're not going to know. Yeah, and it's and it's probably easy to get caught up in in uh, it's nothing wrong with competition, but it's probably <laughs> easy to get caught yeah. up in the idea that the people that are competing are really the important ones here, and everybody else is sort of long for the ride. I think I'm very lucky to be uh, with the people around me here on these sides, but that's not really the case. But uh, I can see what you're saying. It could be. Yeah, a I, th I think that, and it's funny, Roberto used to say to me, is like a lot of people like to train, but you have to train. Like it's been, a, it's what brings balance to my life. Right. And, and kind of arms me to kind of take a deep breath and kind of look at the things that I need to deal with. And it's, it's an escape for me too. Um, and, and part of our job, right. Is you can't open the door for someone when they, when they when there's learning jujitsu and say, Hey, this can be this great escape for you. Like all the things that you just repeat, they have to kind of, discover that for themselves through the training 100% training and kind of get there. But it's, you know, I, I think our responsibility is, is to your point to remove as many obstacles from that path to get there as is possible. And whether they get good at jujitsu or not, that's, that's a factor of time. You're going to get better if you train, but if you can get them to that point where that's how they view their training time and their time on the mat and their time with that community, then that's like the biggest possible win ever because you've given someone, uh, you've armed them to, to approach their life in a more proactive way to, to make them a little bit healthier mentally and physically. And it's the hardest thing because like you can't open the door for them. It's something they have to just kind of like organically discover on the mats that this is, this is what can result. But Pete, I agree with you 100%. And it, the hardest thing about that, you know, and I always say that jujitsu should flow in the same direction as your life, not against it. And you hear people say like, oh, well, I've got to do overtime. I told my boss no because I want to go train. It's like, dude, if you've got to work overtime, go work overtime. Like the mats will always be there for you to help you get someplace, hinder what you're trying to do with your life. And it just, you know, I always like, I always think of jujitsu as this flowing thing that flows in the same direction as my life. And right now it's a little bit difficult for me because it doesn't feel like that's necessarily happening. Like there's, there's, there's like a fucking beaver dam. Life's on hold right <laughs> now, man. Yeah. Life's on hold. Life's on hold. This is, what's, we've been on third, three weeks down here, I think three and a half weeks on lockdown in Connecticut. And this is the longest I've been off the mat in almost seven, 17 and a half years. This three and a half weeks. Yeah, yeah, but you, and you're you're facing it right where you are. Yeah. You're like of all the yeah. people on the screen, you're the one who's seeing it every day. Oh, there's someone. Hello. Hey guys, how's it going? What's up? 
How you doing? I have a headache, so I'm not on tonight, but it's good seeing you all anyway. Yeah, it's good to see you. Stay safe. Yeah, you too. So listen, um, man, like everything you guys said is the truth for me. And like I said the other day, um, I heard Laird Hamilton talking about how like he gets super depressed and grumpy when there's no waves to surf. And he's like, just imagine you were a dragon slayer. And then all of a sudden there were no more dragons. And I heard him say that and I was like, Ooh, yeah. Like that's how exactly how I feel. But every time we've done one of these, I feel like, like we get, even though we're not training, like just seeing like, I hang out with my bros, man. That's all it is. Yeah. That's all like, I want to do is just hang out with my bros, man. We just happen to meet up on a mat and beat the crap out of each other. I just want to hang out with my people. <laughs> the best yeah. times I have with you guys at these camps isn't when we're on the mat. Those are great. It's when we're sitting around at Santa Fe, drinking, a, having a drink, and just being friends, man. That's that's what I miss. I miss the the just BSing after training or during rolls and you know, being happy to see somebody on, oh, I haven't seen you in like, I haven't seen you in a couple of days, you know, how are your family? How are you doing? You know, that, that, that genuine concern for your training partners and your students. That's what I miss. Jiu-Jitsu is the nice, uh, is the nice caveat, the, the nice cherry on top, but it's, it's all, it's just being with my, with my people. That's, that's what it is. And it, it's, it's hard to be away from that, man. It's in, in knowing that, all these people that you, I mean, you don't even care about, like, I love you guys, you know, I mean, we, 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 we share something very special with each other, just like music. That's a, that's a two-way, two-way. And, thing. you know, uh, knowing that those people are possibly facing danger and facing threats that you can't do anything about, you know, we have no power, you know, except to take care of, the more that we take care of ourselves and the more that we do abide by these guidelines that are being put out, the more that we can take care of each other. And that's the most important thing right now. And, knowing that my, you know, family and loved ones are in, in positions where they're possibly at risk and in danger. Um, and, you know, like I said, there's nothing you can do. That's a, it, that's, that's a hard pill to swallow right now. And unfortunately we've all been having to, to eat that for, for a while now. Um, that's what's, that's, what's going to be the best thing when we're all done with this is just, just going back to the mat and, and hugging my friends and knowing that they're all right. Right. And hugging you know, that, them from that, behind. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude, you know what I mean. You know, George, choking him out. <laughs> yeah. George, George, I know you're. You're. I know you're wrapping this up, but uh, for the people on the stream here, I'm gonna pin uh, to the screen so everybody can see this picture. There's this weird thing going on on the screen, which is our friend Devin has the cutest damn pig of all freaking time. <laughs> so now I've, I'm bringing that up so that everybody who's watching, there's actually a number of people watching Austin Miller is watching and uh, some of our friends, Corey and Gary and Mark. <laughs> Look at that pig. Look at Phoebe. So freaking cute the entire time. And, and if I might say incredibly well behaved, on this podcast, <laughs> not interrupted once. My kid. Yeah, she's under what a very cute <laughs> young lady that is. All right, we'll go back. We oh, don't sorry, care George. about jujitsu, dude. There you go. We don't care. As long as her bed's there, she's good. She goes there every day. She gets to snuggle with the kids after they're done practice. So she's got a good life. Well, awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you guys all for coming on. Thank you for being there for me. Thank I appreciate you. it. We'll do it again. Um, Stay safe, guys, please. Yeah. 
You and Jared, Jared, we were hoping uh, to catch up with you maybe next yeah. week and do a more direct <laughs> podcast with you, man. Absolutely, man. Let me know. Love to. Cool. Thank you, hey, guys. I love you, guys. Like, you guys stay safe. Hey, guys. Stay family. safe, guys. Good talking. Say right, peace, George. Positive. Hey, George, say peace. Peace. Peace.